All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck sticks? What the fuck rakers? All right, that's enough of that. How are you? I'm Mark Marin. This is WTF. How are you? How are you? How, who are you talking to? Today on the show, Gabriel Iglesias, who, uh, the, who, who's, whose new concert film, The Fluffy Movie, uh, comes out this Friday, July 11th. Gabriel Iglesias, who, who I've heard of and known of for years and have never met. But for years, he was always the guy that was just at the club. He was just, oh yeah, Gabriel was just here. We sold out the month. Oh yeah, Gabriel Iglesias was here. We, we had to turn people away. Yeah, I don't know what's wrong this week. It must be because it's uh, nice out. Them's were the days, folks. Them's were the days. Oh, you know who else is, who else is coming up that I wanted to mention? Because sometimes I can't sync everything up with everything else. But uh, Ian Edwards, who's hilarious, who uh, you know I talked to recently. We're going to put that that WTF up, and I, I want to give a little love to his his new uh, comedy record. 100% half-assed. Uh, it's available to download at TeamCocoRecords.com. He's actually the first artist on Conan O'Brien's Team Coco record label, and that's great. Here's the deal. Here's what's going on. A lot of you are asking me when I'm going to come to your town. Look, I need to plan a, a tour. I want to plan a tour. I've been talking about planning a tour, but we are waiting. We are waiting to see if the show gets picked up, which will make it a little different. If my show, Marin, gets picked up again for another season, I have to start working pretty quickly. So a thorough and multi-city tour will be a little difficult, but I should know something within the next week or so. I want to come perform for you. I'm excited to perform. I like performing. The Oddball Festival dates are up. I've got dates coming up in uh, several different cities with that Oddball Fest. Most of the cities I'm going to, I've never been to. Uh, I've got dates coming up. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be in Denver, man. I am going to be in Denver on the 18th and 19th at the Comedy Works. That's July. That's like a week. That's like two weeks away, kind of. A little less than two weeks away, Denver, at the Comedy Works. And I've got other dates coming up. You can go to WTFPod.com and look at the calendar and get those. But that's what I'm waiting for. So I'm either going to tour in the fall or I'm going to tour thoroughly in the spring with some scattered dates, even if they do pick the show up in the fall. So I will keep you abreast of that. So New York, how was New York, Mark? It was great. Uh, I did another scene on another episode of the popular show Girls. Few lines, uh, but it, you know they had teeth. It had teeth. I was a real character. I uh, I manufactured a comb over effect with my hair. Uh, I saw Lena Dunham, and we had a nice chat, and it was fun to be on a set and working with uh, Alex Karpowski, a very good guy, and it was exciting. It's exciting to uh, to act. It's it's a long day. It wasn't that long. There are longer ones, but you know, you wait around, you do it takes, and you know, you nail it. It's nice to nail it. Get a few options. Get a few options in the can. Get some coverage. But I, I it's rare that I go back to New York and I get that longing, the longing to stay in New York. You know, I spent a lot of time there, and it's odd that I get it in the middle of summer, which I think is most people's. Well, winter's pretty bad too, but but summer's heavy, man. Humidity is upon you. You're like in a pressure cooker. You're just sort of damp and exhausted. Everybody walking through the city looks like they they're on the way from back from doing something shameful. It just looks like one parade of shame. Just people have given up. They can't keep their hair up. They can't keep their makeup straight. They can't keep. They're not going to wear long pants. 
Everybody's slightly hunched, slightly dragging, and they can't hide. That's what humidity does. It melts away pretense, and you can see the true being of anybody because they're like, what? I'm hot. Leave me the fuck alone. This is who I am today. Yeah, I see you. I see you. So what did I do? I, you know, I did the girls uh, shoot, and then I, I hung out. I did a little comedy. I went to the Eastville, the Eastville Comedy Club and did a set there in the basement there at uh, Marco's Club. And then I went over to the cellar, which I don't always do because there's, it, there, there's some parts of your... It, it's, it's almost how I used to feel about the comedy store. There's some parts about you know going back to where you came from. If some of that time was not great, it's like going to, to meet the abuser. Uh, but I forget that I'm not that guy anymore and I'm an older guy and I love going to the cellar to see the boys and the girls who are doing the stand-up. Pow! Look out! I shit my pants. Justcoffee.coop, available at WTFpod.com. Anyways, so yeah, I wandered over to the cellar. I didn't have a spot. I didn't know if I'd get one, but uh, it was great, man. It, I just, it's a great place. I mean, I know you see it on Louis, but uh, there's something about you know, being a comic and just, you know, having enough gravitas to sit back there at the table and uh, hang out with the with your with your peers and eat some food. And Noam, who uh, whose father used to run the place and own it, Manny has passed, but Noam's doing it. And he's a little he's a little less hands on. It's a little more pleasant, though. You know, I miss the old man because I miss arguing. But but uh, who was there that night? Uh, Jim Norton. Good to see Jim looking healthy. Uh, who else? Keith Robinson, of course. Uh, Lenny Marcus, uh, Greg Rogel was there. Um, I didn't see Louie. I went with my uh, my uh, producer Brendan McDonald. We spent the uh, the uh, evening running around, doing the comedy, eating the food. And Judd Apatow uh, is in New York shooting his new film with Amy Schumer, so he's doing stand up. I don't know that how long it's been since he's really done stand up, but apparently he's just been hanging out doing the stand up. So he was hanging around. And it's just, uh, it's pretty great. Lynn Copeland's, I, I don't know. It's just, it, it's it's a rare thing. Ted Alexandro, it, it's just, I don't even know how to explain it because this is, you know, this is the world I live in. This is our job. But to be able to hang around, you after not seeing somebody and, and people for months and months or even years, you just sit at that back table and everybody gets caught up. And Judd Apatow sitting there, Arguably one of the most powerful men in show business, but you know, at the table, he's just a guy doing comedy, and we're all having some laughs, busting balls. He's, he's a good guy. I watched him; he watched me. Apparently, I made him nervous, which I can be between me and you and him if he's listening. Uh, that that was flattering. I was flattered that he got off stage after I watched him, and he told me that I made him a little nervous. I was like, "Oh, okay," because like back in the day when I was doing sets, why do I get that back in the day thing? That's getting tired, but. But I used to th- I used to kick the comics out of the room, like when I would go on at the cellar when I was uh, you know just starting out working there. I was already about eight or nine years in probably. If Attell or Louis or Mark Cohen or anyone was in the room when I went on, I'd get, the first thing I'd stay on say on stage is like, "Get out, get out! This isn't for you." I have to figure out how to talk to these people. I can't accommodate whatever's going to make you laugh. Uh, and I'd, I'd literally throw Dave Attell out if <laughs> he was in the room when I went on stage. But all in all, a good time. All in all, a good time. And the reason I like the humidity between you and I, because I've been a little, uh, a little dry, a little crazy, a little at edge, is that uh, you know you walk around for a half an hour in that type of heat with that type of humidity, and it's as close to being high as I'm going to be. You're just dazed and moving slow, and uh, I find it relaxing. And and, I, and, and there was a, a rainstorm 
to see the clouds gather over New York City and just know it's coming. There's this beautiful, there is actually a calm before the storm. There was some sort of hurricane going on in North Carolina or down on the coast. And, and, and some of it was coming up to New York and we knew it was coming. And me and Brendan are walking through the street and start to drizzle. But you could see that you could feel the cool, weird breeze and the clouds collecting in the sky. And it was drizzling. We're trying to get over the cellar from Little Italy. So we're just trying to make it before whatever the fuck is going to happen is going to happen. And we weren't there yet, man. And there was like drizzling and then there was nothing. There was just silence and a weird breeze and a grayness that just foreboding Ghostbuster sky. I looked at Brendan. I'm like, it's it's going to happen any second because there was nothing happening. There was almost a vacuum of silence, and then this kapow of thunder, and then a boom of lightning, and then the clouds just dumped, just fucking unloaded, and it was glorious. And there was uh, there was some kids. You know, we're standing there in the under the awning of a supermarket trying to figure out how we're going to get the three blocks without being, you know, wet for the evening. And then there were these two little kids that didn't give a shit. And they were just dancing in the rain, dancing around, getting soaked, laughing. And I thought to myself, God, why aren't we doing that? Why? Why are we not doing that? That's a good question. But right now, uh, you're going to experience a first conversation with me and a and a, a very big comedian, very popular comedian. Uh, I don't know if you know Gabriel Iglesias, but um, he comes out of a scene that that I know nothing about, really. And um, I was excited to talk to him. And his movie is out Friday. That's the uh, the Fluffy movie. It comes out uh, this this Friday the 11th. And and you'll I'll explain the Fluffy thing. You know what? He'll explain it because he had to explain it to me. The uh, what would you call it? Is it the etymology of fluffy? When has that ever been said? All right, let's talk to Gabriel Iglesias. Gabriel Iglesias, I don't know if we've ever met, really. I, I can't say that we have. It's so fucked up. I mean, I've been doing comedy for 25 years, and everywhere I go, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, Gabriel Iglesias just sold out the the the, the entire city. <laughs> Gabriel Iglesias was right here. We had to turn people away. I don't know why there's 12 people here. Iglesias was just here. We, yeah, we had to add a week. That's who you are. I've, I've been very fortunate. <laughs> very, very fortunate. Think things are going good, man. No, no complaints. But, I mean, how long have you been doing it? Uh, this is my 17th year. So it's been a long fucking time. Yeah, yeah. I've been on the road for uh, since day one. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm on the road 40 plus weeks out of the year. So you started when you were a kid. 20 years old. Well, where'd you grow up? Uh, long Beach. You grew up in Long Beach? Yeah. Your mom and dad are down there? No, unfortunately, my mom is no longer with us. I'm and sorry. I, uh, I barely see my dad. But uh, no, I mean, I, Long Beach is where I grew up. Uh, I started off in San Diego, you know, lived, spent most of my life in Long Beach. And that's still where how, I how many fam- How many kids in the family? Uh, I'm the last of six. So it's big. Uh, it's decent size <laughs> for a Mexican family. Actually, six is, is right around the average. Big Catholic family. Uh, in my mom's case, yes, and then no, because uh, <laughs> I wasn't raised Catholic. I was raised just uh, you know, be good to people. Right, right. There was no real religion. Oh, in the you house. didn't have that. No, for, my, for, my, for my brother and sisters, hardcore Catholic to the point where they were sent to like uh, Catholic boarding school in Mexico. And then my mom with me, I was like, uh, f- there's 15 years between my sister and myself, so I was the one that got regular public school. And uh, I got so, keep- so they were like, well, maybe maybe things relaxed. They got the hang of it, or were you? Were they, why 
wife was your brother and sister where your mother was more Catholic when she was younger? I, I still couldn't, you know, to this day, I, I don't know exactly what happened there. I mean, there was a whole different life before I came about. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, my my brother and four sisters came from one dad and I came from the bonus dad from my mom's, uh, oh. uh, you know, fun weekend. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I heard you talk about that on stage. Yeah, you? yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So, I mean, hey, it, it worked out. So, what about the other dad? Is he around still? No, he died a long time ago. Oh, really? A long time ago. I can't even imagine boarding school in Mexico. I mean, what do you got to do? <laughs> Find a way to get out of there. That's what you got to do, man. But but so, you grew up in this weird family in the sense that there was that much time between you and your brothers. Are you close with them? No, not anymore. Uh, comedy does things. It either brings everybody together or you become that guy that, uh, oh, you changed. You're not the same. They say that to you. Yeah. Oh, you're Hollywood now. How am I? I'm on the road freaking earning a living. You're making a living, right. You know, and so then, uh, I'm Hollywood until they need a loan and uh, then I'm Bunko the Fluffy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> So that, then it changes. Where, where did this fluffy thing come come from? Oh, uh, it's a nickname that started what 15, 16 years ago, and at the end of my show, nobody remembered Gabriel Iglesias, but they remembered, oh, hey, fluffy, fluffy. Uh, and I'm like, really? <laughs> and at first, it bothered the hell out of me because it was a really cute joke in the beginning, and then it just it grew, and then I just learned to embrace it, and then just brand it, uh -huh. and I started branding it that far back to where now, if you Google fluffy, I'm the number one search. So you were that aware of it early on that fluffy was the thing. It, it stuck. And yeah. it, it, you got to be one of those guys that you you got to realize when you catch lightning in a bottle and, and this is something that people automatically gravitate to. I got to expose that. I got to work on that. I got to keep working on it. That the uh, Hawaiian shirt thing, always wearing shorts, keeping a, a um, something that is consistent. Right. Those guys that always change their look, always change their appearance. They they add a, a, a special. <laughs> yeah, I, I was one of those guys. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't go down to one name, though. You know, like, you yeah, remember yeah. in the 80s, there was a guy, just, just Jose, you know, or whatever. It's just like, him. Yeah, you know, but, like, there was a couple of one-namers, like, Mitch Hedberg briefly was Mitch. Was just Mitch, because yeah, well, yeah, there was yeah. no other Mitches out there. Yeah, right. But, I mean, it, you, I, you, I was never that conscious of looking for hooks, and then, subsequently, I, you know, I'm not releasing a movie. <laughs> but I, I don't think it's just because I, I didn't have a hook. So, so, you grow up, so most of the other kids were out of the house? Yeah, well, everybody, everybody was gone by the time I showed up. I mean, you know, you got to figure I was probably two years old when my sister finally decided to move out of the house. And so it was basically like growing up as, a, as like an only child. My brother and sisters were more like cousins that would just, you know, show up every now and then because they were off doing their own thing. So it was just your mom? It was just my mom and me. Where'd cool. they all end up, your brothers and sisters? Uh, most of them are in California. My um, second oldest sister got in the Air Force. Oh, and yeah. So she took off. She's in Germany. Wow. And the and the other they just have regular jobs. And the other ones, uh, yeah, I don't know exactly. I think my brother's a truck driver. One of my sisters got into real estate, which you saw yeah. what happened. Yeah. Uh, the other one works for an optometrist. So it's just uh, regular jobs. Yeah, yeah. Every, and and cool. you're the rock star. Uh, well, I'm the one that took chances. Yeah. So when when so your mother was always supportive of the the, the thing. My mom was supportive of whatever it was that would make you happy. Uh, she was very realistic in that. You know, most parents, they push their kids to get A's and get A's and get B's and, and go to college and do, I mean, really putting a lot of like uh, pressure on a kid to, you know, you got to get to this level. Whereas my mom was like, look, if you want to make me happy, just graduate high school and whatever you want to do with your life after that, I'll support it, whatever it is. And really? Like, yeah. You know, and I, I mean, I graduated high school with like C's and D's. Yeah. But, so, uh, so your options were limited. They, I, I guess so. But I, she, <laughs> she knew that I, I always wanted to become a comic, and yeah. so she was. Very when did much you know that? Ten years old. Seriously, ten years old. Because of who? 
I saw Eddie Murphy Raw in 1987, and uh, two weeks later, I did a school talent show, and I was just doing impressions of Eddie Murphy without uh-huh. without the cussing, obviously, uh-huh. and it went over very well. And uh, right then and there, I was like, you know what? I want to be a comic. Uh huh. And I was always talking about this. And uh, what, what do you, you think know, the feel? Wait, wait, do you think it, it, when you first saw it? Because I know my experience when I first saw comics was like they got it figured out. They got a handle on this. They, you know, they have control. They can make people laugh. They it's, know how to look at the world. They made me feel better. That got, that's got to be the greatest job in the world. Yeah, and I when I saw that, I'm like, wow. They, they everybody loves them. The energy, the everyone's happy. You know, I wanted to be him so bad. Uh huh. And I'm like, oh, this is this is what I. And want. you weren't a fucked up kid. You know. Uh, I grew up, I mean, hey, broken homes. I mean, I didn't grow up with my dad. I grew up with my mom. Uh, we didn't live in the greatest neighborhood. But, yeah. I mean, I didn't know I was poor. My mom was very conscious of the fact that she didn't want me to think that that we were poor. She would just tell me stuff like, uh, uh, you were bad, and that's why you didn't get what you wanted, because you were bad, not because we couldn't afford it. Right, right. And then later so on So you were life, bad a lot. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, she, she, made me, she made me feel guilty a lot, and, uh, but it kept me from knowing that we were financially it's, it's, not- It's a pretty broad scale of bad. You know, like, I mean, like, you know, you were bad, you, you know, you no, didn't- No, real minor things. Oh, you didn't clean your room. Exactly. You were bad. That's yeah, it. You're no, not you getting can't. anything. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah, I didn't get into too much trouble as a kid. I mean, there were rough neighborhoods, and from time to time, I was caught doing, you know, maybe some graffiti or. Uh, oh yeah, you, you were know, tagger? Dump, dumping over it. Not even a tagger because I didn't even have a name. It was just like you fluffy. know, like, like at the time I didn't have fluffy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's you know, a just, hell of a tag. You know, just drawing, you know, stupid little sure. cartoons on a wall or something. It wasn't even like a professional, like with a can of Krylon or anything. Yeah, it was yeah. just you know, it was minor stuff. And, yeah. Uh, but you didn't hang out with a bad crowd? My, I tried to, but my mom always kept me inside. Oh, yeah? That was that was her thing. She'd keep me inside. No matter what, she's like, no, you can't go play with Sniper and Spider. Get your ass in the house. Just and, because their names were Sniper and Spider? Yeah. Oh, man. It was it was one of those neighborhoods where everybody had a nickname. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. What was going on down there? Uh, well, it was on the border of uh, East Side and West Side of Long Beach. Uh-huh. And uh, so all the gangs would always have their fights, basically, in my neighborhood. Were there a big gang presence there? Uh, you know, as a kid, for me, I, I'd always hear the gunshots. Oh, really? I never saw anyone get shot. See, I have no sense of that area. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I've been in neighborhoods where that's going on. You're like, what was that? Was that a celebration or someone? Yeah, right. <laughs> Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> Wait, it's not Cinco de Mayo. Listen, someone must be hurt. <laughs> uh, it, it was it was it was a rough neighborhood. Uh, uh, the the neighbor's kid got killed. Uh, I didn't see that, but you know, the, you I, knew. I, I remember the funeral. Gun down. Uh, no, he jumped on the hood of a car and uh, somebody shook him off and he wound up getting thrown. He jumped on the hood of a car too. He jumped on the hood of a car and then the guy just, you know, he drove and, and uh, drove with him on the hood and then slammed on the brakes. Because that was the fight? He was fighting a car? Well, whoever it was, it was in the car. <laughs> I guess everybody pissed. Anytime you're mad enough to jump on the hood of a car, something went down. So, you, But your mother was pretty- He wasn't pretty, like fighting Autobots or anything, yeah. you know? <laughs> no, I know, I know. How do you end up on the hood of a car moving? That's That's tricky. So like uh, so, your mother was always protective of uh, of of you. Extremely protective of me. Always kept me inside. I mean, uh, I was I was a little bit sheltered in the beginning. She wouldn't let me see what was out there, and uh, you know, I love her more for that because she did keep me away from a lot of the bad elements. Yeah, it's, it's hard to do that. And she definitely encouraged dreaming and, and just being happy. That was her thing. Just you know, whatever makes you happy, Michael, you go and you you know whatever yeah, yeah. you want to do. Well, and, how did she explain your dad? Um, you know, I didn't really have a lot of questions about my dad. I, why I mean, Why is that? I guess. Because my mom really filled the shoes. Mm-hmm. 
It wasn't like there was like, oh man, there's nobody here to help me with this or that. My mom had to play double roles. Right. And it was to the point where, uh, <laughs> I remember doing this a lot. On Father's Day, I would actually give my mom a Father's Day card. And I'd say, hey, thank you for being my mom and my dad. Because, you know, you were there. And yeah. I didn't feel like I lacked anything. Right. But you never you never wondered or had a longing? or oh, I knew the story about my dad, him being a mariachi in Mexico. And, of course, you know, the mariachi lifestyle. He's out there traveling the world, entertaining. Where did your mom meet the mariachi? I know you might have covered this, but oh, I, I think uh, it's sort of interesting. <laughs> because mariachi music, it's like you just think... Because as a comic, I mean, we both fucking know. You've been living this life a long time. You know what the road is. But, you know, one of the things that you don't necessarily think is like mariachis are just these out of control fucking, you know, yeah, road you, you warriors. Just, <laughs> you know, just these road pigs that are out there like. You can't yeah. see them turn up hotel rooms and, right, you know, but flipping they do. over benches. I'm and, sure they do. Hey, man, it's it's entertainment. That's why I have a, a strong connection to uh, professional wrestling. Because it's like, yeah, it's entertaining, but I run into these guys all the time at the hotels and the airports. Yeah. And it's the same lifestyle. It's the exact same lifestyle. So she, mm-hmm. where did she meet him? In Mexico? She met him in, uh, in Tijuana at, uh, at some nightclub one night. Was she night. living down there? No, she was living in San Diego. Oh, and, and she uh, drove. Oh, yeah, yeah, she'd gotten into a big uh, fight with her husband. And it was one of those, you'll never do better than me. And yeah. like, really? And then freaking next thing you know, she's across the border with her friends at some nightclub. And <laughs> that's where she met my dad. My dad was performing that night. And uh, you know, they hooked so, up. And nine months later, I, I showed up. Out of spite. At his fight. You know what? Whatever it takes. That's why I, <laughs> hey, I don't judge women that, that do. Hey, if you're not happy in your relationship and you take off. I'll show him. Yeah, I'll, I'll get, the ultimate, I'll show him. Yeah. So how? So what What happened? When, when, they, how long did that they, marriage um, last? They, they hooked up. They didn't get married. They no, no. But I mean, with they, the they, other they, husband. Oh, the, the marriage uh, fizzled a little bit after that. After I mean, you I, were it was, born? Or? It was, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I didn't know this, that there was a lot of, um, you know, just... Uh, friction with my brother and sisters towards me i didn't realize that there was that little that sense of uh uh that you represented a betrayal yeah so i mean later on in life i kind of i started catching it more and more but you know as a kid you don't you don't look for signs like that you're just there and you're doing your thing but uh there there was yeah it was um yeah they wound up getting a divorce and then my mom and dad hooked up for uh for a couple years and then uh oh they did yeah yeah yeah, oh yeah they they were living together and my dad wanted to actually take us to mexico Uh and have a life over there and my mom was like no we're gonna stay here and he's like well i gotta go back home and she's like well you gotta do what you gotta do so it wasn't like he just left and that was it there was there was more to it yeah he he did he did try and so my mom did tell me that so there was never this oh I hate my dad or how dare he it was just you know that was his life over there yeah and nobody there's not many people that are gonna jump the states to go back to mexico you know <laughs> he had a pretty good gig so i mean but was he like is he a citizen here though is what I'm, no he was yeah. a, he's a citizen of the, right so of the, the the choice between san diego and going to have a life in mexico i imagine given you know what you wanted opportunities for you was probably a big choice you know easy mm-hmm. choice well he's gonna and, and also too uh to his credit i mean he was he was very successful in, in what he did and uh-huh. he came from a very big family i mean there was over 13 kids in that yeah. family and most of them were musicians and uh there was a few uh politicians and a couple of uh uh priests oh, yeah. in that family so everybody everybody they got it was, all covered yeah they were <laughs> they, they were covered so <laughs> yeah. it wasn't like they ne- he needed to come here to the sure. promised land to make it you know happen and stuff like and, that he, he had a good gig and you, what, did you meet him 
as a, as a kid, I remember just little images of you know him trying to teach me how to play a guitar or how to you know how to how to do the sign of the cross when you're you know yeah. in church and stuff. But uh, no, that was that was about it. That and then, really? Yeah. And then thirty some odd years later, he shows up at the Comedy and Magic Club in Hermosa Beach, and uh, the, the manager Richard comes up to me and he goes, "Hey, are we picking up your dad's tab in the back?" I go, "What are you talking about?" Uh, he goes, yeah, your your dad's in the back of the room. I go, I haven't seen my dad in over 30 years. I go, it's just some guy trying to get free food and free drinks. And he goes, oh, okay, we'll cut him off. And then after the show was over, I, I go outside and I'm taking pictures and signing DVDs with the fans. And my dad gets in line with the fans. And then my wow. manager goes to the back of the line. She comes to me. She goes, listen, Gabe, I think I think uh, your dad's in the back of the line. And I'm like, shut up. You too? How long she ago was this? This was uh, so a couple years ago. And it, it turned out to be him, and I just I freaked out, and we wound up uh, having dinner the next day there at the comedy club. And how'd you uh, freak out? Were you, I, I did freak out. I freaked out. Uh, I mean, I was what, uh, anger, uh, sadness, everything, weirdness, everything, because it's like you know I haven't seen this guy in thirty some odd did years. You cry so a little bit. I, I got emotional. Yeah, I got emotional. So I mean, it was wow. a combination of uh, excited, upset, uh, just just real, just charged up. I was, yeah. I, was I was rushed. I was like I wanted to hit him and hug him. So it was like it was really weird, you know? Yeah, to have everything hitting you at the same. I mean, if I would have been stoned, forget it, man. Who knows what would have happened but wow so so he's <laughs> there and, and like were people around or did you go inside or? uh it was just uh it was him his friend and uh my girlfriend and myself and i, I you know I, I didn't want to meet him alone so i had my girl there with me and plus uh you know he only speaks spanish and my spanish is pretty decent but yeah. you know to get into the real technical real deep where the hell were you type yeah. words uh, i needed a little backup so my girl was there she watches a lot of telemundo <laughs> <laughs> and she translated your emotional she, yeah yeah anytime i, I had a I, I, like I'd what kind of questions you know what what was going through your mind during that time that, that made you want to leave and so words like that for me i was kind of like trying to think okay i've never asked anyone something like that in spanish so i'm more like hey you know donde está el baño uh, you know my, my Carne asada, can I get un limón, una soda? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know how to get real technical with the words. So this this happened at dinner or right when he the, the night he came? Well, when, the night he came, I didn't uh, I didn't see him or meet him that night just because it-, it Did you look me off like, guard. holy fuck. I saw him from a distance. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like, how do I meet my fans and just try to take the compliments? Keep it hey, together. Hey, good show. Can you sign my DVD? Yeah, Make it out like, to Charles. That's my dad. You know, dude. and then, you know. See that Because I freaked out and somebody saw me and they go, are you okay? And I said, Look. and I started repeating it over and over. I said, my dad's here. My dad, I was freaking out. I was like, my dad's here. My dad's here. And they're like, well, that's good. Your dad's here to support you. And I'm like, no, I haven't seen him in 30 years. And they're like, awkward. That is crazy, man. <laughs> so so you planned dinner. Uh, we planned dinner for the next day, and uh, it, it, he answered a lot of questions. And uh, he told me I had two sisters in Mexico, and uh, you know, just can we see each other again? And and he told me he doesn't want any money. He's he's doing very well. He just wants to have a relationship that he didn't have. Wow. And um, it it was kind of we saw each other a few times after that. You and did? Then, yeah, yeah. We had dinner and uh, just trying to talk. And he really wanted me to go to Mexico. Still, you got to go meet your sisters. I'm like, I don't talk to the ones I got now. I don't got time for new ones. <laughs> And uh, that would, but it, it, isn't some part of you think that might be interesting? Uh, yes, Have you spent time in Mexico? No, but you know what, man? Uh, there's too much stuff going on in yeah, Mexico. Yeah, I know. It's scary. You don't want to get kidnapped? I, that's the last thing I want is to get kidnapped. Right. I, like, for me, I'd rather go to Iraq. Right. Because you're a public Afghanistan. figure. I mean, you would be a target, mm -hmm. most likely. What part of Mexico do you live in? Uh, Agua Caliente, uh -huh. Mexico, which I think is over towards more. Like towards the bottom of Texas, but that must it must be profound to uh, just to, like did you get some closure? Do you have? Did it give you some? Peace I, I did, or? I did, and uh, I just I appreciated the fact that you know he said that him and my mom 
were actually in love, which which was nice. He goes, you got to know. He goes, you were actually made out of love. It wasn't like we just hooked up and that was it. He goes, you know, I loved your mom and she loved me. And, and I was just like, oh, my God. That's why I started getting all, you know, yeah, yeah, choked yeah, yeah, up. Yeah. And I think that's probably what really pissed off my brother and sisters is that, you know. <laughs> Wait, later? <laughs> they didn't, well, they, they didn't get conceived under the same circumstances. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah, you're right. There wasn't love. I think theirs was more like Budweiser or, uh-huh. or something like oh, that. Oh, that guy was a monster, huh? <laughs> the other husband. Yeah, well, I mean that. I mean, I can't even imagine what that'd be like because you know I've had fights with my father. You don't talk for if I don't talk him for six months, and then we get back together, it's sort of like, ugh. but yeah. But I mean, mm-hmm. but he missed your whole childhood. Yeah, and, and so but he mean, must be proud. He he is, and uh, you know I, I know he wishes he could have been there to see more. But then he tells me, he says, "Look, everything happens for a reason. Who knows what's to say that uh, I wouldn't have done something that would have led you in a different direction, and you wouldn't be here now." You believe that? I believe in the the whole butterfly effect. Definitely, sure, you know, sure. something happens and it right. triggers it. But but you, there was a part of you like, well, that's a good rationalization, you know. I mean, <laughs> it, it, I, I, I'm in a, an amazing place now, and and uh, you know, if, if things would have been different, then this would have been different. So sure. I can't get too upset. So uh, he probably wanted me to be a singer, a singer, oh, yeah. or politician, or uh, a priest. priest. It wasn't going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> no. I'll, I'll, I'll do mariachi music when I'm doing shots of tequila and I'm at some karaoke bar yeah. in freaking Fargo or something. Right. Did you ever see him play? You never saw him play. I never got to see him play, but I have heard his uh, music. I've I've got uh, a lot of his old albums. Oh, he's put out a lot of records? He put out, yeah, a bunch of, you know, it's not like they went global or anything. Right. You know, when you're holding a record and it's got his name on it, it's, it's pretty cool. And is he good? He's pretty good. Yeah? He's pretty good. He's got a great voice. Yeah? That's fucking amazing, man. It's amazing to know that you come from... From, from actual from creative people mm-hmm. from show business people i mean you know it's weird you know that, a lot of that stuff you don't think it's genetic but but you know you, you you you're you're a hell of a showman and you know you come from a guy who was uh you know was he, an he, entertainer he was, he was an entertainer and uh i have an uncle uh who was an actual comedian in mexico who uh his name was pompin iglesias uh he did tv Film, stand up, I mean, you name it. He did everything uh, there is to do in Mexico. He had, you know, uh, you know, a bunch of sponsorships. So he was always doing commercials for, you, you know, whatever products or uh-huh. cars or whatever. And uh, he was very funny. Did you ever look up his stuff? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can Google him. It's really interesting that, like, you know, because a lot of, like, uh, you know, white people, they're going to make fun of Telemundo or whatever, or the, the sort of broad comedy, like Compton Floss, you know, from years ago. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So like it's it there's a it's a it's a do you do you feel connected in any way to that tradition of 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 delivery you know uh, like well, I'm, I'm not trying I'm not trying to... school delivery of in, the way they did it in Mexico uh, it's more long story with a big punchline at the end right. versus consistent joke 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 like if right. I'm talking for three minutes and I don't get a laugh. You know what? I, I might need to shorten that talking and, and throw a couple punches in there. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a long. But time. you do long form. I, I, I do long form definitely, but there's laughs every yeah, 30 yeah, yeah, seconds. Yeah, yeah. So like, you, so the the classic way would be tell a really long story and then go whoa. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 it's funny though it is funny it is, it is silly you hear a lot of that like in uh morning radio shows that they do here in la yeah 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 it's, which is this long story and then at the end and then you hear the canned laugh track but you didn't, you didn't really grow up with spanish in the house though so. uh from my mom i did i did until i was about six years old and then uh you know she wanted to make it you know she didn't want to make it hard for me in school so she said listen from now on i'm going to speak to you in english because i want to make sure that you're you know you don't have any problems in school right because originally they stuck me in an esl program they put me in an English as a second language program when I was about five, six years old. 
because just, you know, my last name was Iglesias and they'd hear my mom speaking Spanish and they just assumed, oh, okay, he needs to learn English because he only speaks Spanish. And I'm like, I spoke English. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I was cool. But yeah, just growing up, my mom wanted me to make sure that I didn't have any issues. Right. And when, when, when did you start actively you know, pursuing the comedy thing? Uh, April 10th, 1997, I got pushed up on stage in, uh, in Long Beach by a friend of mine. Uh, they needed an MC. Uh, the MC didn't show up, and I had always talked about wanting to be a comic. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, dude, man, they need an MC. Just go up there, crack a couple jokes. This would be a good chance for you to get up there. And I'm, I was scared. Yeah. And he pushed me up there, and I made fun of him. for The crowd saw him push me up there, and I cracked maybe two or three jokes, and I got laughs, and uh, that was it. I got the bug right there. Uh-huh. And then somebody saw me, and... Um, they actually had a comedy room there at that same place on Wednesday nights. And he goes, hey, man, you do comedy? And I'm like, uh, yeah. You know, real kind of like, yeah. I yeah. was trying to tell him that was my first time. He goes, hey, man, you come back on Wednesday, man. I'll give you 20 bucks. You know, do 10 minutes. And I'm like, are you serious? First paid gig already. And uh, I didn't have 10 minutes, man. I had <laughs> I had what I had at that yeah. moment. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. So what'd you do? I, I winged it. I winged it for 10 minutes. And what, I crowd said, work? A lot of crowd work, yeah. a lot of crowd work. But, you know, I was being silly, making some voices and stuff, and it just, it worked. How old were you? Uh, you got to figure, 90s. I was 20. And what were you, were you working after you graduated high school? What were you doing? Yeah, man, after high school, I uh, had a couple jobs. I worked over at um, Robinson's May. Uh, it later became Macy's. Yeah. I used to work doing tele- telemarketing and stuff like that. I'd uh, uh, answer phone calls, yeah. uh, you know, customer service, whatever, they, you know, whatever they needed and stuff like were that. Were you in hell? Uh, it, you know, it was a it was a good gig. I mean, I was in an office. I had a, a tie on. I, I'd show up to work, and everybody was friendly. Uh, I'm talking to people. All I'm doing all day is talking. So I mean, for me, I, I enjoyed it. It was yeah. cool. Yeah. I'm interacting with people. So right. It, it was it was nice. From there, I went on to uh, um, I worked for a company called LA Cellular. Later on, they came uh, became AT and T. Uh, the you remember the first cellular phone companies yeah, here yeah. in town? It was yeah. AirTouch at LA Cellular, and uh, I was selling cell phones inside of a walmart in a kiosk oh my god so i did that for a couple years and it was actually a pretty good gig you figure i was 20 years old i was making probably forty five hundred dollars a month i didn't have any responsibilities uh combination of commissions and and you know and it was a new thing so you could everybody wanted one yeah and i had a free phone that was unlimited yeah so i didn't have to worry about that bill (laughs) my rent was 350 i had a roommate we were stealing cable i had a really cool black box that just you know (laughs) we didn't have to worry about that and this was in san diego no this was in long beach Beach, yeah yeah, signal hill area so i mean it was life was good yeah so to give up that forty five hundred dollars a month and because uh, I was burning the candle at both ends. Once I started doing stand up, I was finding every single little room I could hit. What were those LA. rooms then? Uh man, at the time it was uh, this place in Montebello called uh, Wild Coyote. It had yeah. another name called Gotham and Prime Cut. I mean, the, every year the guy would change the name. Well, what was, kind of rooms were those? I never heard of those. Ghetto rooms. hood rooms, man. I mean, these these were like they were biker bars. Uh huh. But like, yeah. what kind of hood? They were Latino rooms. Yeah. Or they, oh oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I did all the Latino rooms early on. Yeah, that's all I knew. You know, that, um, that's why I, I say. So like, I don't know anything about that world. Like, um, I mean, literally on my show, and to a fault, I mean, I've done 500 episodes. I've had Carlos in here. Mm-hmm. I've had Willie in here. Is, is this uh, the room where he bared his soul to you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I took two episodes to do that. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I got bullshit. I heard him. The heard bullshit him. the first episode. And then and the, then okay, the, this is what I really meant to say. And then he just came un, unglued a little bit. <laughs> so I had Barcena in here and Trevino. Hey, but bro. Like, <laughs> Barcena is great though, right? That's as real as it gets. Yeah. That's his you know exactly where you stand with Willie Barcena. You know. Was he a love guy him, when love he's... him or hate him? That's you get exactly what you get. Was he a Willie. guy when you started? 
Uh, yeah, actually, that room that uh, was in Montebello was his room. It was his room and Felipe Esparza's. And uh, I would show up there on Wednesdays and Saturdays, and Willie's like, hey, put up the vacuum, bro. And uh, I'd go up there, and I'd you know, hey, little chubbies, chubsy wubsy. He'd always call me chubsy wubsy. Oh, boy. And uh, I'd go up and do, you know, my five, seven minutes just being silly. But, like, know? I don't even know who the guys were. I don't even know who the guys are. And I, you know, I feel bad about it because there's a whole world of Latino comedy that I don't know who they are. Who are they? Uh, back in the day, there was a few. There was a handful. When I first started, there was a handful. There was a, Everybody looked up to Willie. Willie Barcena was the guy just because, you know what, uh, he had been on The Tonight Show. That was huge. You know, yeah. He had been on Leno's show like five, six times. Yeah. And, uh, I recognized Felipe Esparza because Felipe had been on the Latino Laugh Festival on Showtime. So I remember those faces. And then uh, that's where I also met Joy Medina. Joy Medina, uh, by the way, probably gave me the greatest advice ever what? as a comic. When he saw me performing, I was really, really dirty. Yeah. And he goes, you know what, bro? He goes, you're likable. He goes, just cut out the cuss words, man, and uh, more windows and doors are going to open for you. Uh-huh. And that was the best advice I did. I cut out all the, you know, all the F-bombs and stuff in my show. And next thing you know, you know, I'm, I'm working everywhere. And those are, and, and like, because cause now who do you see? Like, you know, I well, I, I think like obviously Lopez was huge. Mm-hmm. And like, cause like, there was always the guys. It was, it was like Paul Rodriguez, Lopez, Mencia, Pablo Francisco. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Freddie Soto uh, back uh, in the day. Freddie, yeah, 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 yeah. It's because there's like to me there's like there's it's if you really think about the breakdown of 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 what the country is is like the Latino population is humongous. Mm-hmm. And and the same with black comics too. In me, it's sort of like how, I don't know how to how do I get to those guys. Do I just call, you know, like, like, and I know maybe it's, maybe I'm being lazy or what, but it just seems complicated. Like, there's a whole world of comedy out there that I don't fucking know anything about. Mm. Like, the Latino circuit, I don't know any of those guys, but there's a circuit, right? There's there's definitely a circuit. I mean, I, I like I said, back then it was a handful, so everybody knew who was doing what. There was, you know, guys like, guys that I would roll uh, around were like uh, Willie Barcena, Felipe, yeah. uh, Joy Medina, Alex Remundo back then, uh, Gilbert Esquivel, Rudy Moreno always had a room. Uh, there was guys like Sebastian Satina who had their own little comedy rooms and stuff like and that. And what was the so, tone? Was it usually, you know, like neighborhood oriented family stuff? Or, it, it, that's exactly what it was. It was very local humor. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. What about the security guard at King Taco? Oh my God, that guy's got more ammunition than a federale in Mexico. You know, really? I mean, stuff like that. Yeah. It was very, very local. And very, there was no like, you know, thinky guys or like, you know, like weird guys where you're like, what's a, that guy? There up was a to? couple heady guys, but no, nobody understood him. Nobody really wanted to deal with them. You know, like, oh, really? You're trying to make me think? You know, talk, talk, hey, talk about the Dodgers, bro. <laughs> you know, talk about this. There's a lot of pressure. That. Yeah, I mean, to, and, to, and if all you're doing is this little area, then why, why try to think outside of that? But also, just the fact that, like, that it, it was community driven in, in in tone. That the, the relatable things were, were family issues, local issues. Mm-hmm. Like there was a, a sort of a tone to the culture that that people were looking to identify. And there was a lot of Spanish involved too. So there was oh, yeah? my, my sets. There was a lot of uh, Spanglish. Uh huh. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you yeah. say a joke and then you just add a little. Tú sabes lo que estoy diciendo, verdad? And they're like, Ah, he's speaking better. <laughs> you know, and if those white people there, like, it was kind of like the Ricky Ricardo syndrome, where we don't know what he's saying, but it's really funny when he, Ricky snaps. Yeah, you know. So, so, was, so that was part of it. That was part of your act early yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. I was doing a lot of Spanish, a lot of voices, characters. Uh, like I said, I was dirty early on until uh, I started changing that up, and, and then the fluffy thing happened, and I just wrote. But were you were always were you were always heavy. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I really, and you know. When I first started, I was. Um, you be, you were bigger. No, when yeah. I first when I well, but yeah. no, but you, you now you look good. I mean, I'm, I'm down it. about a hundred about a hundred ten pounds. Holy fuck. Yeah, I know. Uh, How much did you get up to? <laughs> I got up to about 440, 445. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh, hey, the road was good. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, when I, when I first started, I was probably around, around the weight that I am right now, which right. is about 330. Yeah. And, you know, being a person who you're struggling every day to try to get, just, you know, make ends meet in the beginning. And then you get into this position where I, what? I can eat out every single day. Yeah. I'm like, why even cook at home? And don't get me wrong. It wasn't like I was eating at these great restaurants. Right. I was eating fast food and enjoying it yeah. every single night for yeah. 13, 14 years before my body eventually said, dude, really? Like, that's why when I watched that movie, Supersize Me, and that guy goes on and he's, yeah. oh, 30, 30 days, my body's like, oh my God, I can't yeah. take it. I'm like, dude, days. try 12 years, <laughs> pussy. You, know I mean? yeah. you don't know about putting damage on your body. Yeah, but did it get to a point where the doc was like, dude. Oh, that's exactly where it got. It got to the point where- 440. 440. Uh, 440. Uh, How did you walk? Was it hard to walk? You know what? Believe it or not, at 440, I was still pretty limber. I mean, uh, I'm a big dude, but uh, I'm pretty solid underneath, man. Yeah. I got, I, you know, yeah. I, I can I can squat about 400. Uh, know, oh, really? With, in addition to the weight that I got <laughs> going on. Uh, yeah, I worked the leg press pretty good, but um, I had no problems getting around. My yeah. knees started taking... Uh, I needed surgery on my knees. I, yeah. I messed up my knees really bad. Started getting cortisone shots on a regular basis. And then um, I'm type 2 diabetic, and my sugar was like 300 plus every morning. Did and you was, get that, or were you always that? No, no, no. I got that from all the years of, yeah. you know. Eating shit. Eating everything, man. Yeah. And then, so between the, all the eating and then the drinking, and then just, uh, it just escalated to where it was like, you know what? This is not going to end well if I keep this up. And I'm I'm going somewhere really good, and if I want to enjoy it, I better do something about right, it. Right, you don't want to that, have that thing. You yeah. Know, finally get to the top of the world and be like, I can't, I need a chair. Uh, freaking die in the toilet. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. just what I need. Yeah. But, okay, so you're doing all the Latino rooms, and when you're starting out, you're 20 years old, and you're getting your chops in place. So when did you cross over? There was a, there was a couple TV shows out back then that, that really you know showcased comics. There was a, the show on Comedy Central called Premium Blend. Yeah. And uh, for Latinos, there was a show on uh, the Galavision Network called Que Locos. Que Locos was a Spanish... Uh, the Galavision Network was Spanish-speaking, but the comedy show was in English. And George Lopez was a, was a host, and I got to appear on the show many times. So it was like the Latino Def Jam? That's exactly what it was. Right. That's exactly what it was. And um, the network would rerun that show five times a day. And they'd also run commercials for a tour. And so I was always on TV. At what age? So this, uh, like when, how, 21, 22. So you're two years in. Yeah. And and you're you're getting this. It's getting all this, yeah. Traction. Because you're on fight. There's that kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no, that, there that kid. And yeah. it, was, it was always the, the chubby kid with the Hawaiian shirt who makes noises. Real friendly. But was that a choice you made early on or, or just because of that? You're like, I better keep the Hawaiian shirt on. Uh, you know what? I, I Like I said, the whole fluffy thing. The Hawaiian shirt and the shorts; those three things from the beginning. From the beginning, you just knew that it was a it was, it was branding. You know that was one thing I learned. Yeah, I don't working. know anything about that, but I'm, well, yeah. well, when I was uh, working over at Robinson's May, you know, I'd always hang out with these guys from the marketing department, and they're always talking about branding and branding and branding. Anytime there's a product, there's a way that you brand it. Yeah, you got to be consistent with it, and if you change it, you got to slightly change it. You can't do too much, otherwise, uh, you know. You can't go from a Ford Explorer and then all of a sudden you chop it up and now it's a different car. You got to slowly modify right, it. Right. You know, and that's why they said when, when I started growing a goatee, I had to introduce this really slow because a lot of fans turned on me for it. They're like, wait, 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 why are you growing facial hair? Really? You've always been the clean cut. And I go, I'm just trying to go a different look. And they say that if you have facial hair, it thins down your face. So I'm just trying to slim down my face. So you had to, you had to, you had to do that on stage. 
Yeah. You had to say it. Pre- I, I explained, yeah. And so the same thing with the weight. Because they know, like, I think they like when you're a heavyset guy and you got a boyish face, mm-hmm. they kind of have this, it's cuter to them. They, they don't want to think you're an adult man. Yeah, I'm like, what? He's a growing, because kids hated it. Adults were like, yeah, you look more grown up. And yeah, more yeah, yeah. But the kids were like, ugh. Yeah. And then going from 440 to 330, people are going, wait a minute, you're changing your image. You're not fluffy no more. I'm like, hey, relax, I'm 300 pounds. If I lose another 100 pounds, I'm Come still going to be 200 something pounds. People actually said that to you? Yes, they're more concerned about the image than the you Your know, fans. My, my, you're like, my, you know, if you lose health. too much weight, we're, you're yeah. not going to be that kid You're anymore. not going to be fluffy no more. I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh, you know? that's crazy. Like, this is all I'm going to talk about. But that really happened. People yes. are like, why are you getting so skinny? Why are you losing weight? And I'm like, because I'm diabetic, because I want to live. I want to enjoy the check. So you had to address that on stage too. Yes, I had to address that. So you learn from these guys you're working with for Macy's about branding. About branding and marketing. And then also too- That's I'm, really uh, where it happened. Back in the back in the day, yeah, and you you were able at that point to be you know have the foresight because I I never you knew you were in show business and you knew that in order to get the the big payoff that you know people got to know you they and that know means you, you got to stay the way you are you just that that's something you put together yes uh, there was a, like I said there was a lot of comics that we'd see that would always change their image. They were inconsistent. They, you look at them on three different shows, and all three different shows, they they had different looks. One time he'd have really long hair. One time short hair. Uh, one he's wearing a jersey in one. He's wearing a leather jacket in another. He's wearing a, just a regular button up in this one. So there was no consistency right there. You notice that? Yes. Yeah. And you're like, I'm the Hawaiian shirt, shorts. I'm fluffy. You know, you're gonna change. It. You're gonna change your image. You, you got to stay consistent. All right. So right out of the gate, you're doing that. And now you're two years in. How much material you got? Uh, two years in, twenty maybe maybe twenty thirty minutes. But now you got twenty or thirty minutes, and you know you're you're becoming a a a, a known comic in, in at least the Latino community. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, very known in the Latino community. I mean, obviously when I go places like Richmond, Virginia, or, no, but I mean like know. early on because oh, of the Galavision. Yeah, how many of those did you do? I want to say about five. And so that means that you're like on TV every day. And also the fact that they had me on their tour. Mike Robles, who was the executive producer of the show at the time, right? Um, he uh, he had put together this comedy tour called the Que Locos Comedy Tour, and he had Willie Barsen on it. He had uh, uh, Carlos Oscar, uh, Gilbert Esquivel, Felipe Esparza, and myself. And so they'd run ads during the day. All you know, every every hour you'd see this commercial that would pop up on and, that, and how many millions of people watch that? Millions of people watch that. Um, couldn't tell you, but yeah. it was enough to where I'd pull into a Burger King and they'd flip out. Yeah, fluffy. Yeah. <laughs> I was very much, from the get-go, just a worker. I was getting up anywhere and everywhere, and I, I hit the road early on. Yeah. Uh, Joy Medina got me my first gig on the road in uh, Bart Reed's comic strip in El Paso, Texas, and I became a regular there, and I was performing there about four, five times a year doing, uh, you know, emceeing and stuff like that. Right. And then I just picked up more gigs. Also San Antonio, that. right? Didn't you do Riverside? A, lot, a lot of work in San Antonio. So Texas was big. Texas was very big early on. Yeah. Um, I got to play comedy clubs there before I got a chance to touch a Laugh Factory. Huh. So, okay. So the, you go on the the, uh, the Loco tour with mm-hmm. these, and how were those crowds? Oh, they were insane. Oh, obviously it was, you know, it was a hundred percent, you know, Latino crowd. And so all that stuff that I was doing, speaking in Spanish, making yeah. local references to, to certain things, uh-huh. things that only Latinos knew, it was killing. And and so once you started killing. doing the, the, the bigger gigs and in, in hosting in Texas, mm-hmm. was it still primarily Latino crowd? Yes. Yes. I mean, I, uh, when you ask about when did I finally make that jump and cross over? It, it had to have happened uh, after the tour went away, and then I just uh, I started trying to do my own shows with a promoter, 
and uh, you know we do California, then we do Arizona, Nevada, Texas, right? And I'm like, when are we gonna go start playing? You know, <laughs> no, you know, no, no, this, this, this <laughs> hey, man, this is your why, why, right why here. push it? And and um, the crazy thing is that I was getting paid very well to do these theaters, yeah, in in the Southwest. And I'm like, you know what? I'm telling my manager, listen, I gotta, I gotta break out. I gotta be able to play some of these other markets. And so, uh, she was like, well, look, you're gonna take a serious pay cut, and you, you know, you're gonna go from a theater, you gotta go back to a club, and a club that you might not even fill. And I'm like, well, I gotta, I gotta break the markets. That was one thing early on too that I heard from a promoter. He says you gotta break a market. Anytime you break a market, you're gonna take a hit, but you gotta go in and get people to know you, so they'll talk about you. So when you come back, you start building it up, building it up. And did that goes, happen? Yes, it did. Uh, one of the first places we went was um, West Palm Beach, Florida, and um, man, to the Improv. Yeah, and keep now. In mind, were I, you I, doing spots in the in town yet? Uh, in spots where in, Here LA? in LA, yeah, mm, yeah. But it was you know it was the Latino night. It was it was uh, Monday night at the Laugh Factory, right? Where, where Jamie you know takes off and he lets you know all the, all the Mexicans in the building. Here you go, buddy. Nobody has point of view. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that was only getting a couple little spots there, but I had nothing consistent going on in L.A. But when we started doing the shows in uh, in Florida, I mean, I was lucky to get in a room that sat three fifty. I was lucky to get fifty people. The now, first how was how that hit your how that hit your ego? It it did it did, and I you know I kept thinking, oh, I was like, all right, do I want to do I want to do this and kind of just start over? And were the fifty people people that knew you? Were they mostly? Latino people that knew you. There, from- there were some Latinos in there, and some people that just they saw the video of the upcoming act. You know, they always Last play the week, video every yeah. week. So, so when you went, did you start to pull the Spanish out or no? I did. I did. I, I messed up, and um, I didn't know any better. I, uh, I I went over there, and I'm just trying to do the same thing that I was doing everywhere else. And then when you start getting the looks, and you realize, you know what? They don't all understand this. That you need to you need to do material that is that is friendly enough for anyone to enjoy. Because I started running into a situation where I had more white people than Latinos at and the show. And that was new to you. And that was very new to me. So did you feel like it must have been a weird feeling because it, when you're entrenched in the community, then all of a sudden, you know, you draw this line because mm-hmm. in your mind, it's like, well, we got our people here. So now you're like, it's almost like I'm behind enemy lines here. I'm like, I got to, I got to, I got to find out how they think. Yeah. They're gotta, just looking at me do... like I'm some Mexican. Uh-huh. So, so then I'm sitting there and I'm picking apart my act. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, I can't do this joke. I can't do this joke. And I can't do this joke. This is not going to work. And this is not going to work. Next so now you got I find 12 minutes. Myself, <laughs> I, yeah. I find myself doing 12 minutes of crowd work to, to try to compensate. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I was always rolling with the same crew, same group of guys that I've been rolling, you know, for the last uh, 15 years. Comics? And they had to learn as well. Like which guys? Like, uh, uh, Mar- Martin Moreno. Yeah. Uh, first time I took him. <laughs> I took so him these are the, your feature and your opener? Uh, he's he's my MC. Uh, I alternate um, um, middle acts all the time. But uh, Martin's been the one that's been there since day one. And he's the same. He's doing Spanish. and he's uh, doing, Yeah, both of us. I mean, he's doing jokes about So at Walker. least you got a friend. Yeah. About what? Uh, Walker, Texas Ranger. Remember the uh-huh. uh, yeah. He'd do jokes about gang members and yeah. these cholos, right? And he's talking like that. And, yeah. and, and we're in Richmond, Virginia, and the people are like, uh, "I'm sorry, it's, no, um, we don't have that uh, here." Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so did you bomb? I bombed. Really? Oh yeah. I had my sets where I was like, "Oh my god!" And horrible, you know, they're, they're, horrible. They weren't horrible. They weren't horrible. Like, no, it's a horrible feeling. It is a to, horrible to sort feeling. of be like this rock star in the Latino community. Then like you're you're like standing there in front of fifty white people sweating, and you're like, Ugh. "What'd I do?" But you always knew in the back of your head, I could go, I could live forever mm-hmm. on that circuit. But I knew eventually, you know, that's going to run out, man. You're gonna you're gonna burn your markets out, and then what? If you yeah. only got you know twelve markets that you hit. 
Yeah. And you can only hit them once every 18 months. Yeah. Well, so so how did you start to change? I, mean, I just I started doing more clubs, uh, more clubs that were not in, you know, Latino. How did you start to feel your, like, how what was the disposition? Because now, like, when I watch your stuff now, you, you know, you you have a full identity. You know, you've brought your family into it. You, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're dealing with, you know, things that everybody can relate to. But at some point, you had to sit down and go, well, what is common what what do we all share mm-hmm. that they're going to fucking you know understand everyone understands family so if i pull the 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 spanish out of this and i explain it correctly they'll understand it absolutely is that what happened yes <laughs> yes i just I, I pulled out i pulled out the spanish and i just started talking about things everyone can relate to everyone can relate to a situation with a relationship everyone can relate to a family event everyone can relate to having that crazy friend who you know yeah. oh man hey you know that one guy at the office or somebody that right uh, stuff like that people can relate to people can relate to a story of a fish out of water so telling stories about going to places that I've never been and long and in saying well this was my mentality when I went in because this is what I learned and then as it turns out this is the way that it is and so people you know they were uh, they were intrigued by that it was it was cool and it was stuff that everybody can relate to everybody can relate to being the new guy somewhere and not knowing what's going on and do you think that you know because of the way you know, you kind of make, you know, your disposition, you know, but also your brand mm-hmm. that, you know, you're this, you know, heavy set guy that yeah, wears these short, yeah, fluffy that it was disarming. Like, like yeah, there, there's, there's nobody, no, you're not going to get, right. No one, you're not going to get on stage and people go like, fuck this guy. Like this guy, you know, like you, you, you're like, everybody wants to give you a hug, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's the greatest feeling. I mean, people still to this day bring me cakes yeah. and they bring food to the shows and sodas. Yeah. And can we take you to the house? And I'm like, that's. For people to want to do that, I mean, that's a, a whole different level of, of connection with, with the people. How long did it take you to build the act that could play anywhere? Mm. Got to figure by 2005, we were we were basically going anywhere in the U.S. So that's... 2005, 2006. So I, almost 10 years. Yeah. It's, it took a long time. A lot of work. Oh. So, all right. So now, now, when do you start, like, even becoming this? Because now you don't... At some point, you got regular spots at the Improv and regular spots at the Laugh Factory. I was getting anytime I wanted to do a Monday night, I I had you know just make a phone call to to show up there. But it wasn't like I could get a whole week at the Laugh Factory. Um, Same thing with the Comedy Store. I'd have to show up at one o'clock in the morning to wait for somebody to you know. And you were selling out in in Texas. Yeah, but you know, it didn't it didn't it didn't translate to to stage time here. Right. It was like okay, well, you're on the road. You're a road comic. Was there a point where you got the respect you wanted here? Like in the world of uh, of Hollywood and the comedy, uh, there was uh, this was probably about five years ago when yeah. it finally started happening. Where I'd walk into the comedy store and they'd say, "Hey, you want to go up?" And I'm like, oh, "I don't have time to be wait till one." I'm like, "No, we'll bump the next guy if you want to go up." I'm like, "You serious?" Yeah. Like, yeah. That's a big day, right? So that, that was pretty cool. Yeah. And then, and then you got those those uh, comics that never leave that building and give you that dirty look. Yeah. Like who the fuck? Yeah. Him? Like really? Him? Where's he been? I've been so, I've been here every night I've for five <laughs> years. Yeah. <laughs> Hanging out here waiting for uh, what is the name William Appervaya that would show. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Only comics know who he is. Yeah. Um, but um, did you have a crew here? Did you hang out with uh, with Carlos or those guys? Um, I'd run into Carlos every blue moon when there'd be some major event. Because you know, despite you know whatever you know his horrible legacy is in, in terms of the you know uh, the community like he was a real businessman too i mean like you know when i talked to him it was like very Holy fuck, very dude. business we have the same agent and um he anytime i'd hear about mencia on the road it was very much it was a business you know he'd he'd uh he'd do his thing the and thing with the computer with the, with and then the recordings the recordings that was fucking you know, genius stuff like that actually so, like that you'd have them 
available by the end of the night. Yeah, recording CDs crazy. from that same show. Take yeah. home the same CD that you just heard. Take home the same show you just heard. You and know, then basically. when he finally got figured out how to put it on a flash drive, that changed everything because he could do mm-hmm. it in a second. Like I, I never had that kind of thinking. But do you do merch? My merch is uh, is very, very impressive. I took a huge page out of the WWE uh, handbook. Uh-huh. I, I study wrestling because wrestling is probably the biggest form of entertainment out there with just the level of production, the level of intensity, and the the marketing, and the merchandise. CM Punk's out there. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm freaking geeking. Uh, <laughs> I'm a huge CM Punk fan. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a wrestling guy, but he was a fan of my show. And his buddy, Colt Cabana, mm-hmm. you know, does a podcast kind of like this show. And he was a fan of my show. So I interviewed Colt in Chicago. And then Colt set me up with Punk and he came in. Oh, sweet. So I, I had to be schooled. But, you know, it was interesting to talk to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I want him to come back really bad. Yeah, I want him to come you back think really he's going to come back? I think he's eventually going to come back. What's the, what else is he going to do? He's showing up at Blackhawk games that aren't, you know. <laughs> oh, he's really—he's just living the life. He's, he's just—he's yeah. he, like, fuck it. He's really building it. This is a hell of a fucking script. Yeah, if it is, <laughs> if it is, if it's a, if it's an angle, then it, they, they they got us all. It's a long one, man. They got us all. So okay, so you put all this. You 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 you. You've had a branding. childhood love of wrestling your whole life. Oh yeah, I, I've been watching wrestling since '85. Uh, Hulk Hogan and, and Andre the Giant. That was a that was it right there. I was hooked after that. And you know, knowing full well, like the people that love oh, wrestling, yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. they know exactly what it is. I and know they still exactly love it. what it is. I watch it for what it is. It's a it's a nice glorified male soap opera, and it's it's entertainment. Yeah. I watch it for that. So, what did you pull from the from? How did you design a your big merch show, around man? That? Well, first of all, the show. Yeah. Um, my show now. I mean, I got you know screens, and I got all kinds of stuff all over the stage. Gobo lights. You know, it's it's a it's a rock show. It really is. We well, got I saw a, that uh, in some of the clips from the new movie. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. you know we bring a nice production to the show, and and uh, the video screens and. <clears throat> the merchandise is is huge. I mean, uh, we've got a a whole truck dedicated to just merchandise. What do you sell? You name it. I mean, I've got like fifteen different T shirts. There's hats, bumper stickers, uh, three different types of bobbleheads, action figures, cups, um, how beanies, uh, lanyards. We sell uh, cardboard cutouts, and it all uh, sells. Everything sells. Everything sells. And it's I've even part I've of your got stores in the malls too. Yeah. Huh? You do? Yeah, a little kiosk that I set up. It's you know, it's the fluffy shop. Well, you just pay them all for the permit. Well, the, little, the little kiosk, you know, yeah. to get the little carts and stuff. You see them when you when you like go that. to a town. You mean? Or uh, no, I have I have uh, one set up at uh, Lakewood Mall. Uh-huh. I had a couple that were scattered around town, but I usually wait till the holidays to bring out more carts. Huh? So that's a big part of your business. Yes, merchandising. You love it. Yeah. It works. Yeah. Yeah. It's not gonna. Yeah, it's it's a huge part of the business. And and that started to pick up when you got bigger when and started, bigger. When I started doing uh, the the big tours in 2010 is when the first we got uh, sponsorship through. Uh, God, what was a cell phone company? It was a new cell phone company at the time, and uh, Comedy Central. Yeah. And so they put this whole Fluffy Shop tour together, and uh, they let me call it the Fluffy Shop tour. It was like I wanted to name my my merchandise company. Yeah. So that was the name of the tour. Was the merchandise company Fluffy Shop tour? Uh huh. And we went everywhere, and they were running ads for it, and uh, the merch just started picking up and picking when, up. When, when was the year where you saw the 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 crowd changing, where you were successfully playing to everybody? What is the percentage now? Uh, to it, Latino was, it, was, to... it was definitely oh, uh, past oh five. Yeah. Um, and right now, I think it's 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 right. It's pretty even. Really? It's pretty even. That's amazing, man. Certain cities, it's a little bit more like San Antonio. Sure. It'll go from fifty fifty to like maybe seventy thirty. Yeah. And now you've toured the world, mm-hmm. and you got this movie, which is a concert movie. Concert movie. Which people, like, only a few people do those. 
So I'm, I'm in pretty good company. Yeah, pretty you are. Company. Pryor and uh, you know Eddie Murphy and you know and some people have done movies, but like a lot of people just do a special. But this is going to be in theaters. Mm-hmm. And it's called what is it? Fluffy the movie. The fluffy movie. The fluffy movie. Yeah, everything I've ever done always incorporates the word. And what's the angle? Uh well, the first seven minutes is a uh, it's a mini film about the night that my mom and dad met, and how I came to be about a comedy so, film. A comedy film, yeah, sure. And uh, right after that, uh, the concert starts. It leads into the concert, and uh, it's about, I want to say, 97 minutes. Only shot in one place? We shot it in San Jose. Yeah, well, anytime you, you bounce around and you start showing multiple locations, weird. it gets a little too weird. You know, to me, what that when I watched Chris Rock do that, I was like, wow, this is amazing. It's showing that he's doing the exact same joke, the exact same way in 50 cities. It's Yeah. It, it, it almost <laughs> destroys the illusion of what we do. It's like that exact same joke- in a different clothing, yeah, it was to me. It was like, why would you do that? It, it's almost it, it it undermines the mystery of what we do because not you just unlike, telegraphed it. It's going to be the same here. It's going to be the same there, right? And not unlike wrestling, I think people want to believe like he's just making it up. You know what I mean? Like there's it's happening now. Mm-hmm. So if you show, you know, if you play your hand like that, <laughs> holy shit, this guy didn't change nothing. It's no matter exactly where he goes. Yeah, it's crazy. I thought that was a crazy uh, misfire. Yeah, he should have just kept it in one. Why not? He should have just kept it. I, and it got me dizzy bouncing back and forth with it. Yeah, but you thought, but you did tour like all over the world, right? Yes. And how how did that go for you? Uh, the first time I played Canada, I was really nervous just because it was that same feeling of when I first went to Florida. You know, I was like, yeah. oh, are they going to get it? Are they going to understand it? So I'm second guessing everything. Hey, are there I'm Mexicans doing. in Canada? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But at the time when I went to Canada, I had already gotten past that, you know. Yeah, sure. That, uh, you know, that Latino yeah. thing. Um, let me just try to relate to whoever I'm there with. And, uh, it was just for laughs. It was Montreal. Sure. And I'm like, oh, great. Yeah. Here they speak French. So yeah. now I'm like, okay, yeah. uh, what's going to happen? But they got it, right? Oh, that, that's such a hip crowd. Yeah. And, well, it's, uh, but also that it's like family, man. It's next door. Yeah. They know they know what's up. It's next door. And when you go to other parts of the world, you realize just how close Canada is and, and how it, it's just the same. It's the exact same thing. Where, where Did you go to London? Uh, I got to perform in London. Uh, that was London. How was uh, that? Manchester. That's not an easy crowd. No, but you know, when when I got there, I already had the uh, the nor you know the the, the fan base and and you uh-huh. know, the YouTube stuff. So uh-huh. when I got there, the fans were solid. It was they were here to see Fluffy. It wasn't yeah. like uh, who are we gonna come to say here? Yeah, you know, right. nothing. They were excited. They're chanting Fluffy. They're already wearing the T-shirts before I even walk out on stage. Do so you so. have a YouTube channel? Uh, yeah, I have a YouTube channel. And you do what? How do you how do you treat that? What do you do? Uh, my YouTube channel, I basically up to uh, update content, stand up content. Um, I don't try to do anything that's real. Uh, but you don't want to tip all your bits, so you just you're selective, or how does it work? Well, I put stuff that's already out. Okay. You know, anything that's new doesn't come out until it's already been put either in a you know on, on cable or right. been put on somewhere else. Right. Okay. Or if I do a late night talk show or something, I'll put you know snippets and sure, bits like sure. that. Sure. Right. Right. So, oh, that's good. Yeah. 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 So I mean, uh, and that gives you uh, global exposure. Yeah. I mean, if if it only plays in the U.S., it's not going to do me any good when I go you know anywhere else. So I want to make sure that everybody can see it. Have you had to sweat one out recently? What do you mean? A show? When you've gone somewhere, has it, have you had any uh, tricky ones? Where you're like, yeah, it's not, you know, had it sort of like, all right, well, I guess they're not getting it completely. Uh, not recently. Uh, it, it's been very, very good, very, very uh, consistent the last uh, year or so. But I, I've had a couple corporate gigs that didn't go exactly the way I wanted them to. Um, I did a show for, uh, it was, uh, they were raising money for battered women. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there was this function that they did in Florida. And 
they uh, the floor it was it was at the uh, Hard Rock and the floor was all people for this benefit, and the balcony they opened it up to my fans to buy tickets. So when I walk out on stage, I'm getting roars from the balcony, but the floor is just very polite and very you know round tables and, and the people ties, that paid the big money people that paid the big money right. for this uh, fundraiser just there because they have to yeah yeah. And I had to follow uh, a lady that went up there and told this 15-minute-long horrific story about how she survived domestic violence. And then they played a video after that. And then here's Gabriel Iglesias to make you laugh. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> it's I gotta, a, I gotta follow this classic story. You know? And, yeah. Oh man, it was brutal. And you I couldn't mean, make, an, you couldn't make light of it. No. No, yeah. you couldn't. You, you, yeah. There's nothing you could say. I mean, yeah. you just got to go out there and go, hey, you guys, we're here for a great cause. And, you know, you got to really kiss up and do as much positive crowd work right. and way to survive. And, yeah. hey, you guys, this yeah. is a yeah. night for, yeah. you know, to, to yeah. build up the... Uh, you can't go up and go like, I don't think she's going to laugh. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can't go up there and start yeah. cracking jokes like that. But it was crazy because as soon as I walked out, the balcony's going crazy. Yeah. They want me to do a regular show. Yeah. And then the floor, they made it clear. You can't talk about certain things during your show. And I'm like... It was very frustrating because yeah. I'm killing upstairs, but I'm getting nothing downstairs. That's the nature of that kind of game. And then people are ignoring me. And I, my problem is I look at all the people sure. and it started bugging me. People started turning their backs to me so they could eat, so they could do everything the else. Worst. And I'm like, really? Yeah. And then I just snapped at one point. I snapped and, I, and I'm like, hey, you guys, I'm trying to you know, do this for you. We want to make this happen. I says, at least show me a little bit of respect to just at least look at me. If you're not yeah. going to laugh, at least look at me. Yeah. And uh, you can feel the people on the side of the stage like, get him off, get him yeah. off, he's going rogue. <laughs> <laughs> and I just started cussing up a storm. I'm like, yeah, this is bullshit. I don't, I don't need to do this. I said, you know what, you guys? And to the people upstairs, I apologize. I go, I just, it, this, I want to give oh. you guys a great show. I go, but this is not going the way it's supposed to go. And you snapped, man. I snapped. And then I says, you know what, you guys? I says, you guys offered me a lot of money to play this show tonight, and this is what I want to do. I want to finish my set, but I want you guys to keep all of it and apply it to your cause because uh, I think that's the most important thing tonight. And I said that, and then the whole floor stands, gives me a standing ovation. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I'm still going to do five more minutes. Sit sit down so I can finish I'm doing this because I'm bombing. Yeah, yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah, dude. Basically. I, I, and I learned that from Jay Leno. We did a gig together at the Laugh Factory for a group that's kind of like PETA. Uh -huh. And Jay went up there and started doing jokes about his cats. And they did not feel him. And at the end of his set, he goes, "You know, I'd like to, I'd like to get, donate ten thousand dollars to your cause." And then everybody stood up, and I'm like, "Oh my God!" He just straight pulled that good little closer. Rab yeah, yeah, great yeah, yeah. closer. <laughs> took him the butt, and now here you go. Here you go. I'm, I just killed. I just so fucking did it. I went into the Jay Leno vault right then That's and there, great. and I pulled that one out. But I mean, uh, I try not to do those corporate gigs because you know they don't make it fun for you. They put too many rules on you, and then putting you in a situation where you gotta right. fight. Yeah, if you believe in the cause, just give them money, and yeah, it, it makes it difficult yeah so what do you do you do you do, do uh you perform for the troops uh, i've done i've done a couple of uso tours i did the uh uso i did the air yeah. force reserve right uh th those are great and they appreciate the hell out of it when you show up there they're like wow you brought a piece of home here yeah and you know, they must they, feel great they fly us out there on these massive c-17s and they land in these combat zones and you're just like oh my god yeah yeah, yeah. freaking out yeah but they all went well yeah, yeah, they all went really good. So where are you going now? What's the plan? The movie opens... The movie opens July 11th. Well, you can do uh, Howard. What do you do? Uh, they're talking about Howard. Yeah? I'm a little nervous, man, because Howard, uh, Howard has a... He's a, got a good talent for finding stuff. <laughs> I never... I, ne I did it for the first time you know, last year when my show came on. I, I'd never done it. I was nervous. Yeah. Yeah, but like sometimes it's not... You, you, you know, as depending on what kind of comic you are, 
you know, like what's he going to find? He's not, he's not the national security administration. Mm -hmm. you know, like I bet you with Howard and like between me and you, I bet you, you know, he says, uh, so your mom fucked a guitar player. That's why you're here. (laughs) Something like that. You know what I mean? It's not, you know, it's not going to be right. It's not going to, I mean, what's he going to get? Like, I was like, he's going to find something. And I get on there. He's like, so you're a jealous, bitter guy. I'm like, yeah, I can talk about that. That's it? That's all you got? No problem. It's probably not going to be that bad. That's funny. Well, because, you know, it's just that whole, it's the mystique. It's it's Howard. Yeah, know? yeah. But, you like, you know, like, yeah, I was completely consumed with, like, what if he finds out that one thing? There's a couple people that know that thing. He'll probably talk <laughs> what to What if them. he's the one that knows that yeah, thing? Yeah, what if someone gave him that information? Then I'm gonna, that's going to be bad. But I think he's uh, he's pretty he's a pretty great guy. You know, he's not you know you're not he's not there to make you know, controversy out of you. He likes comics. So uh, we'll see what happens. So you're not going to be doing any shows? Uh, not well. Uh, I got a couple shows that I'm doing uh, this month. I'm going to be in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Back to Texas. I'm playing San Antonio and Houston. Hu- San Antonio, Houston, and Laredo. Uh huh. Now now you're going to have your dad up for the premiere. I thought about it. I, I really thought about it, especially the fact that uh, I have somebody in the movie playing him. Um, haven't reached out to him yet, but I, I think I, I think I have to. I think I own that. Yeah. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna you know invite him, fly him out. It's like it's a it's a complete uh, sort of like not only is it you know uh, respectful and and shows some sort of sign of closure, but it's victorious. I mean, you know, it's, it's a it's a feel good story, and and this special is different than anything that I've done because I get very very personal with it, and really tell some stories about my past and just my you know growing up and some of the stuff that I've been doing lately, dealing with the diabetes and the reason why I had to lose weight and you know my family situation. Uh-huh. So uh, it's 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 different than what I've done. And you have kids. I have a son. Now has he met your dad? Uh, yes, he did. He met him, uh, but you know what? He's you know he's a teenager and he had his iPod on and he's like, hey, what's up? That's, oh yeah, that, didn't that's, that's what he met. You got you a know. teenager? Yeah. Well, really? he's, he's technically my stepson, but I mean I've had him for eleven years now. So. Uh huh. And what's he? What's he? Does he like what you do? He loves what I do. Uh, I don't think he wants to get into it, but he he definitely loves it. Anytime I hey, you want to go on the tour bus? You want to come out on the road? Yeah, yeah I'm there. <laughs> Good. Now, now does he watch my show? Not really. Does he <laughs> hang out with the guys? Of course. Right. Right. All right, man. Well, it's uh, it's great talking to you. I'm glad we finally did this. Finally. Thank you. Yeah, man. That's it. That's our show, folks. I I enjoyed that. He's a very sweet guy, man. And uh, he's a big act. And I don't mean that derogatorily. He's he's large, but he's not as large as, we, as he used to be, which we discussed. But he's very popular. And uh, I want to thank him for coming. And what else do I want to do? Go to WTFPod.com. Get the app. Get the free app. Upload to the premium. And you can stream every episode of this show. It's quite an archive there. I'm proud of it. Enjoy. Okay? Enjoy it. What else have I got to tell you? Oh, yeah. You can go. Uh, what else can you do at WTFPod.com? Get some Just Coffee. You can check out the merch. or t-shirts. There's things there. You can kick in some money for the patent troll issue, which I think I'll talk at length about another time. Maybe uh, on Thursday. You can uh, leave a comment. Yeah, whatever. Okay, all right. Now I'm kind of buzzed out. Boomer lives!